0: And if you need that kind of support, I really recommend this podcast. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. Welcome to Mom and Mine. I'm perinatal psychologist and host, Dr. Kat. There's more to the story than just postpartum depression, and this podcast aims to share it all from personal stories and lived experience to experts who break down the ups and downs of life from getting pregnant, pregnancy, perinatal loss, and postpartum adjustment to parenthood. While this is not psychotherapy or medical advice, it is all of the stuff you ever wanted to know about mental health and new parenthood. Welcome to Mom in Mind. I am your host, Dr. Kat. This month, October, is Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month and all month we are going to be sharing episodes from people who are sharing their lived experience. And we're also hearing from experts who have a specialty in being able to help support parents and families through these excruciating and difficult times. Now, as you'll hear throughout this month, there are many types of loss and many ways that loss affects people. And here on Mom and Mind Podcast, we honor all types of loss. This episode in particular is termination for medical reasons. We are going to be talking with sabrina fletcher she helps grieving parents in the aftermath of terminating a wanted pregnancy for medical reasons through community support groups and holistic healing her clients learn to cope with grief and find ways to honor their babies she chose this work and the specific type of pregnancy loss because she lost her own baby in this heartbreaking way in 2018. she's going to be sharing parts of her own story as well as we are going to be talking about mental health concerns during and after termination for medical reason pregnancy loss. We're going to talk about how important it is to find healing through community, as well as cutting through the shame and silence, especially in the supercharged political climate around abortion. And This is an incredibly complex decision-making and heartbreaking decision-making process to have to terminate a wanted pregnancy but due to medical reasons there is a lack of grief and trauma informed care around trauma and she talks about how there is a lack of grief and trauma informed care for termination for medical reasons patients and people do experience trauma and it is a huge impact on their mental health and well-being let alone all the other complexities that are happening having to possibly go to other states to receive medical care and having to deal with other people's perceptions around what pregnancy loss and having to deal with other people's perceptions around termination for medical reasons and it sometimes not being seen as a pregnancy loss. But what Sabrina really reinforces and what is important for us to take note of is that termination for medical reasons is pregnancy loss. And the more compassion and understanding we have for parents who have to make these difficult decisions, the better off their mental health will be as well as them receiving the care and support that they need. We're really trying to break through and bust the stigma of this type of loss in hopes that it will bring more understanding. And while these episodes around pregnancy loss can be really difficult to listen to, especially if you're somebody who's experienced a pregnancy loss, it is also still incredibly important that we're sharing stories, broadening our understanding, bringing compassion, and supporting lost parents through this extremely difficult time. But certainly gauge for yourself if this is something you want to or able to listen to at this time, and just know that this episode will be here at any time that you're ready. So let's meet Sabrina. Welcome, Sabrina. Thank you so much for being with us.
1: Thank you so much, Kat, for having me on today. It's really important, especially in the times that we find ourselves. So I'm very grateful to have this space to talk about TFMR and to share my story and to hopefully help your listeners understand or feel seen and heard if they've been through this type of pregnancy loss as well. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you.
0: This podcast is supported by Starglow Media's Mysteries About True Histories. From the creators of the hit top-ranking kids educational podcast in the world, Who Smarted?, the Emmy-nominated Nat Geo Disney Plus's Brain Games and Netflix's Brainchild comes mysteries about true histories, affectionately known as M-A-T-H, or math, in which kids ages 6 and up can hear humorous and educational stories that follow two best friends, Max and Molly, while they go on adventures through time, solving puzzles, hidden equations, talking about history, and making learning cool. Episodes transport listeners to moments in history like Pythagoras's ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England, and more. When I drive my son to school in the morning, we listen to these episodes that fit perfectly in our commute, with the episodes being about 15 minutes long. And this podcast is right up my son's alley because he loves to solve problems and happens to love math and the types of punny jokes that Max likes to tell. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods.
2: Well, hey there, Busy Mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free.
0: Yeah, we're going to get into quite a bit and knowing this is a a relatively short period of time to be talking about this because there there are so many intricacies and and experiences
1: related to TFMR.
0: But I would love to start with your story and how you uh, got into this work.
1: Yeah, thank you. Each time I tell it, I still can't believe that it's my story, but it is. Mm -hmm. So in 2018, I had to end my very wanted and planned pregnancy. It was my second baby. I had spent time beforehand doing all of the fertility things. I took this whole fertility course. I was tracking the cervical mucus. I was doing all the supplements, all the right things, Mm -hmm. and even still, my baby was very sick. So we found out in the 11 to 14 scan, she had cystic hygroma, which are like big masses in the back of the neck. And there was also fluid buildup all over her body, which I was told is called hydrops. I mean, I had to become an expert in this fetal health, very specific type of conditions that I had no idea what they even meant or what that meant long-term. And so the doctor explained as much as he could in that ultrasound, but it was a very traumatic experience. It was a, a vaginal ultrasound. So, you know, I was already exposed and then like, then my heart was breaking, I mean, shattered in a million pieces when he was telling us everything that was wrong and what it could mean and what the causes could be. And then When he started explaining what our options were, it got even worse. He said that he couldn't help us. He couldn't help us in the state that we were living in. I live in Mexico and in the state where I live, he said that if we did decide to terminate the pregnancy and he was very gentle about all of the options and that it it was, it was up to us and that, you know, he would support us no matter what. But his support ended where the laws restricted him. So he was not able to do a DNC for us. He was not able to help my daughter pass. We had to go out of state and then even out of state in the next state over in the Mexico city state, we were still up against a time limit and he knew that. So while he was explaining these things, he was saying, well, it could be this or that or this. If you wait until 18 weeks, we can do an amniocentesis where they pull the fluid out and they find out the child's genetic condition. If there is one, even if there is one, I mean, we don't know what could have been found because we didn't have time. There was no time. He said, whatever you choose, you need to choose now. So this—I mean, like just thinking. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Something
0: like that. What's the time frame where you're starting with the ultrasound, excited, hopeful, to all of a sudden you have to make this heartbreaking, life-shattering decision?
1: Uh, less than an hour. Yeah, forty minutes.
0: Really fast. That's a lot to go through in any amount of time, but in that condensed, like your uh, brain just—I'm sure—was scrambled.
1: I was in crisis mode. It was a traumatic moment. I was in shock. Yeah. I don't remember if I was crying, if I couldn't even cry. If I remember the room like zooming in and out. Mm -hmm. Just it's not the right headspace to be in to make a lifelong decision for your child. And it was completely rushed because of the laws. So I only had like five days after that. To decide, but also then to find out where and who and which doctor and if they would, and to make sure that there was a space and time that there was an appointment open before we were at this arbitrary cutoff period. Because, I mean, what's the difference between 13 weeks and seven days and 14 weeks and zero? There's no difference, but there's a huge difference in the laws and what I would have had to go through if it would have been past that. I would have had to go through an ethics committee and had some random doctors decide for me, which just like heaps on the shame and the stigma. Like my case is ethics, my medical decision for my child, for my own body, uh, because there was another layer, the maternal health side, where if I would have continued the pregnancy, the swelling in my baby's body, there's a syndrome. It's called mirror syndrome. I could have begun to have. Swelling in my own organs in the same way that was happening to my baby. And then if I would have continued the pregnancy and if we would have, you know, done all of the means, everything that we could for our child, it wasn't even going to be a regular birth. I mean, what's regular, but it wasn't even going to be a regular cesarean section. It had to be something called an exit strategy. Where they like cut you way open and they have to remove the baby and their placenta at the same time. And it's very dangerous for both baby and carrier and mother. So it was a lot. (sighs) How do you make that decision in 40 minutes, in six days, even in a few weeks?
0: Yeah. No, it doesn't. There's no good decision to make. There's nothing that's going to feel good. How could it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Once you're at that point, whatever you decide, you just have to be okay with the decision that you make. Because like you said, it's neither good nor bad to end the pregnancy then, to end the pregnancy later, to continue, to do everything you can. They're just different parenting choices. For sure.
0: All of it feeling hard and difficult. And yeah, there's just not not a decision to make that is going to, where you won't have to um deal with a huge emotional impact.
1: Exactly. And the solitary nature of it, you know, I was cut off from care from my doctor that I knew. Oh. I was sure. sent to another state. Right. There was no continuity of care. There was no one who called me later or said, here are the other clients who have been through this, or here is a doula or here is a bereavement midwife. Since you're leaning towards termination, you could talk to them about your options or, you know, what's coming next, or here are these communities, which is what I do now. I have a community for people who have had to TFMR, termination for medical reasons. That's the, the acronym that, that is being most used right now in these Mm -hmm. cases, TFMR. So there are communities out there, but. Most doctors, nurses, even in the abortion clinics, some do refer people out to get this care so that their patients can know people have been through this before mm-hmm. and they do get through it. Mm-hmm. And here's the support that you desperately need right now. Here are the other people who can give you advice. You can ask them about their experiences, different memory making things that you can do. Make sure to ask for handprints and footprints. And if you're going to be induced, you know, have the baby treated as a baby, they can be wrapped up, you can hold the baby, you can use a cuddle cot, which is like a refrigerated cot for the baby so that you can be in contact with the baby longer, or a saline bath to preserve the baby's body longer. You can take pictures, all of these things there was none of that information given to me. I was just like thrown into an abyss and I had to instantaneously be an expert on my baby's conditions when I was no expert.
0: Oh, right, right. And let alone how you want to care for them after birth. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, this is a short period of time. Again, you you said five five days later or whenever it was later that you- Within that period of time, you had to make a decision, travel somewhere where it was legal. I think that's what you're saying, which is already like, there's just so many parts to this that any single part of it could have been traumatizing enough.
1: But this this is so
0: multi-layered.
1: I mean, informally, I would say the rate of PTSD in people that go through these types of terminations where it's a pregnancy loss has got to be above 80%. That informally, that's what I see in my, in my communities. That's high. It's a lot. It's, a it's ma- really high. It's impact on, on your life.
0: So you went through this whole experience, and if, if you want to share any other part of it, you're more than welcome to. I guess I'm curious, at what point are you then thinking about providing this kind of support to other people?
1: As I was in the abortion clinic alone, my husband couldn't even sit next to me. And I was asking for things, for support coming out of the anesthesia or the twilight sleep or whatever you want to call it, but deeply grieving, deeply hurt, feeling so alone, Mm -hmm. feeling like the nurses were not seeing me as a grieving mother. It just felt like I was the crazy one. And you know, it was, it was in that moment that I thought, People need someone here with them through this experience to know what's coming and to have their emotional needs met. Right. I thought, "Where's my doula?" Because with my, I had a baby before we lost this baby, and I'm very pro doula. And she was four, five at the time, uh, my older daughter, and I loved that experience having a doula through the, you know, pregnancy and birth, just someone to tend to my emotional needs and right. spiritual needs, psychological needs, because the doctors, the midwives, they're doing their job. They're tending to your body, but we're a holistic being. We have all, all of those things are still going on. I'm not just a hunk of body meat sitting there. Right.
0: Right. So the, all the medicalized part of it, you know, when you were speaking about being in the abortion clinic, and feeling like you were crazy? Was that like, because you were having big emotional experiences and they weren't responding to that or minimizing it? Or what was that experience?
1: They were ignoring my big emotions. I think I was handed a box of Kleenex, but no one even said, I'm sorry for your loss. Or the doctor told us about your case. And do you need me to sit next to you? I mean, they couldn't. They couldn't sit next to me because they were tending to all of the different patients all at the same time. Mm -hmm. But I think even more than that, they didn't know how to move into that space with me. Right. They were used to the unwanted pregnancy box, which people are allowed to have huge emotions and big grief experiences with that kind of abortion too. But it felt very medicalized, very cold, very much just... Mm -hmm this is the procedure, and now you're fine. I was not fine. <laughs> so that was right. where the crazy part came in. Like uh-huh. I was not yeah. fine. And I think the emotions were even more and more heightened because no one was seeing me. No one was acknowledging how awful this experience was that I was losing a baby, that I was having to help my child die in this very disconnected way. They didn't let me see her. Afterwards, um, even though I asked. So I mean, right. That's but, just another. What could I do? What could I do with that?
0: <laughs> was your husband in the room with you or anybody else?
1: He he was allowed to be with me in the way. COVID might change things. And depending on what state or country people find themselves in. There's also security risks. So sometimes a, a companion is not even allowed to go into the clinic with you. For them, it was more of a privacy, medical privacy, but the medical privacy, because we were all together in the waiting room, but then in the pre and the post-op recovery and like pre space, that was where they didn't want him. Because I don't know, they said mostly for privacy of The other patients and yet i was having like an emotional breakdown i needed someone by my side but that's just the way that they had things set up
0: so you're in there going through all of this massive emotional experience and upheaval and you said before that's when you realized you wanted to be able to support other people going through this
1: yeah i wanted to be that companion that support person so in that space, because the grief continues, the grief process will take the time it needs to take. For sure. So
0: thank you for sharing your story. I think there's there's so many parts to your experience that it will help people understand the complexity and the difficulty for, I mean, that's not even a big enough word to describe how hard it is, what you've been through. And this is your story with your complexities due to, you know, your context. In some ways, and, and then certainly what was happening for your baby medically, but there are so many other iterations of this that I imagine you've seen so much in the work that you do. Can you share with us some pit bits of that, some part of your work and what you see specifically as it relates to mental health?
1: I think the aspect that's really missing, and what adversely affects our mental health as we go through this process is the lack of community, the lack, the silence around baby loss in general, and then the silence around it needing to be an abortion or a termination or other terms people use are compassionate induction or like a early induced birth. But that's what really negatively affects us is that it's not talked about, and yet it's way more common than we know. So there are some studies out of Europe that show that TFMR, so this type of termination, this type of abortion, this type of pregnancy loss is up to three times more common than stillbirth and infant loss combined. So if that that number, I've seen that number at like 1 one in 160 pregnancies, somewhere around there. So we're looking at 1 in 55-ish is a termination and this type of pregnancy loss. And the people going through it are, are psychologically and emotionally experiencing it as pregnancy loss, and yet it's not recognized. And even the grief around pregnancy loss or infant loss, It's not understood. It's not recognized. It's uh, swept under the rug. It's you can try again, or at least, you know, you can get pregnant, or it's good. You caught it. It's no. (laughs) Yeah. I see you shaking your head. Yeah. No, (laughs) none of those sayings help. The help we need is to be seen and to be acknowledged and for our grief to be honored just in the same way that we love and honor our babies and we love and honor ourselves but we have to learn mm-hmm. how to do that on our own so it's the the lack of community the silence around it right is there's, harmful
0: for sure there's yeah you, you're mentioning that the silence and I, I know that there's a lot of reasons not necessarily good reasons that people are silent about this some of yeah. it is due to political climate some of it's due to family dynamics it, i mean there's so many different ways that it can show up but that silence is also just so closely connected to other emotional states like guilt and shame and anger and yes. wh- whatever can come up in that silence because it's not expressed and it's not seen. What, yeah. what are you seeing in terms of the that emotional impact?
1: So when we internalize all of those emotions and just bottle them up it turns into depression anxiety and then the the trauma piece of going through an experience like this on top of these heightened isolation states right you know if we can say like depression and anxiety from the isolation and from the being cut off from your community and being cut off from your support and the threat of actually being completely cut off mm-hmm. from your family right from what's like root base stuff here right you could be cut off from money love support your spiritual community and in some places maybe your doctor will even be sued and then how do you <laughs> how do you live with that and how can you outwardly go and look for grief support in this situation mm-hmm. it's just absurd and so of course it's turning into all of these mental health issues. Of course. Right. Cause it, it gets so,
0: it sounds like, well, it, it has to be, it's so, it gets so distilled though into from whatever, all, all the things you were saying about these barriers to help and support, it gets distilled down into the person, the mom or the person who's needing to make yeah. this decision within their, it's within their body. And so all fingers get pointed yeah. to you, essentially. Like, why are you making this decision? How dare you? Like, there's just inherent shame in all of these layers, yeah. or shaming, I should say, by yeah. by these factors.
3: Yeah. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids, because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us.
2: I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where-are-my-keys kind of mom. And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: How are you going to feel supported within all of that? It just speaks to how how, like how how I mean that's the that's the big question.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, thank you. I'm so honored to do this work and to hold these spaces. But even still I see, you know, people will send me a message and they're like, How hidden is your Facebook group? Will people see that I'm in there? You know, because there could be legal ramifications for them even being a member of a of a hidden Facebook group. And I also run small groups, so I run grief circles that's like the higher private level of support that i offer and even one on one and and sometimes people choose the one on one level because they're like well i don't know who else like how could i really completely open up and share all of the intricacies of my story and the state that i live in and what i had to go through how do i know that those other people you know how can i trust and then even sometimes in the grief circles The first couple of sessions, people are like, well, maybe I won't turn on my video. I don't, I could be found out, you know, and it just breaks my heart because that's the healing that we need. We need that connection. Mm -hmm. We need to share our stories. We need someone else to see our face, to see the love and the pain on our face Mm -hmm. and to hold it with us. And when they don't feel safe enough to do that, how can the healing happen? Right. But it's so much bigger than me. It's not right, that like right. my space is unsafe. It's like all of these things are happening. Uh, right. And so th- the person who's had to, to
0: make this decision of whether to have a TMFR, they had to go through their own process of making that decision. And no, we had uh, talked a little bit before we started recording about this really important process of having to reconcile having this decision w- while also having to contend with whatever your religious beliefs are or anything yeah. like that. It's like, yeah. Can you sp- speak to that for just a moment? I feel like this could be a whole separate episode, but. Um.
1: Oh yeah. The political <laughs> and the religious side of things, because they're all yes, intertwined yes. now.
3: Exactly.
1: And it's more of in each the world religions, there is space for compassion. Mm-hmm. There is space for the gray and for the human and i even want to use the word forgiveness there's nothing to be forgiven but from a religious there's space like- for all of that but mm-hmm. the political has now been married to these extremist religious ideas and it gets all focused on abortion is wrong mm-hmm. but it's it's very black and white mm-hmm. when we find out, and when you find yourself in this situation, it's like, oh, but well, what about this situation? Right. This is not black and white, and mm-hmm. this has to do with quality of life and suffering, and I'm just supposed to let my baby suffer. Mm-hmm. I'm just supposed to suffer myself until I'm at the brink of death, and then the doctors can help me. How is that the Hippocratic Oath? Right, right. So th- there's a whole other process just around
0: having to make a decision that is, quote unquote, against your political or religious beliefs or system that you're in.
1: Yeah. And some people come into the community having made this decision and now they have to contend with their whole upbringing and hiding it from their whole from their whole family from certain family members. Maybe they don't post about their baby and their grief process when that's what they really need to be doing to move through it and to get the support, but they can't because there's this stigma around it and it may, and it usually is also internalized stigma.
0: Right. The, I shouldn't be doing this. I'm a bad person. For
1: Even thinking about how could I have done this? How could I have made this decision? I had those feelings too. That's it's so complex,
0: Uh, meaning there's just so many ways in which I'll just leave it at. It's just so complex.
1: And you were, you were also, and this contending with I should or I shouldn't, or this is the right decision, or my religion says I should do this, or the laws, or all of that. Sometimes it's even within the same person. Some of our community members will get the same diagnosis more than once. And in one pregnancy, they continue the pregnancy and they're either raising a medically fragile child or their child died at birth. And then in another pregnancy, they make a different medical decision because they already know what it all entails. So how do you even, then it's again on a very personal level. Well, I'm a person who makes this decision sometimes and sometimes I don't. But it's all welcome because it's all part of the human experience.
0: I mean, this is all incredibly, incredibly difficult and, and deeply emotional.
1: I'm sort of thinking about the folks
0: out there who are listening and uh, feeling the heaviness and the weight mm-hmm. of what all we've been talking about. And I'm curious what you see in the way of healing. Like, how do people get through this?
1: So it feels hopeless and it feels completely isolating. Because it is, there's a darkness that you have to traverse to muck through all of these different issues and themes that come up with losing a baby in this heartbreaking way. And what helps immensely, and I get messages from people and they say, your group saved my life. And I feel the same way. The termination for medical reasons groups that I found early on in my life, I, the TFMR, the termination for medical reasons, spaces that I found early on in in this experience saved my life because I was able to find other people who had been through it and they had been through it. There was hope that on the other side of this, there's understanding, there's support, there's love, there's still a beautiful life. There's someone missing. Mm -hmm. There's There will always be someone missing in my family, but the love doesn't go away. But I learned that and I see other people learn that through community, through being in these spaces, through healing together, through working through it together. And you're together maybe, you know, finding a trusted therapist. You're together could be joining a Facebook group or another sort of space or a grief circle, or a ending a wanted pregnancy support group, or even having that one friend that you connect with through Instagram, whatever your community is, we create these connections, and then we can come back to our own connection to our own humanity through this process, and the love that we will continue to carry for our babies, and they for us
0: too. That's, that's really beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. And I really, you know, anyone who's ever uh, thought about having to deal with something like this might say, I don't know how I would get through that. And I can't know how until you're, and you don't even know what it's going to look like then. It just sounds like a, a very, just one foot in front of the other process, having someone with you along the way. Yeah. Sabrina, I thank you so much for coming on and sharing your heart and your story and your work and just this lifeline for people who are going through this. Thank you so much for the work that you do.
1: Thank you so much for bringing me on and the holding space for all of us that have had to be in this position or close to it or know someone. You know someone. Mm -hmm. You know someone who has been through this. So it really does affect everyone. If you know someone who's had a stillbirth, then you know two people or more who have also had to terminate a pregnancy for medical reasons. So it's all of us really. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that into focus. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you.
0: You can find out more about termination for medical reasons and Sabrina's work by going to thetmfrdoula.com and finding her on Instagram and Facebook and TikTok. At the FT and finding her on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at the TFMR doula. As usual, please do share this episode with anybody who could use the support and understanding that this episode brings with it. Thank you so much for being with us. Until next time. Thank you so much for joining us today. Please share this podcast. Together we can support moms and families so that no one has to deal with this alone. Come connect with us at momandmind.com.